So yeah. what's the rule? It's like um, it's like a <laughs> health benefit. Like um, it's it, it's like tangled. You know, the 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 mother, the um, uh, the 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 evil mother, stepmother. She it's she, got she, electrolytes. She, she, it's what knights crave. That's true. <laughs> anyway, that's just something to think about for later, boys, if you rewatch the movie. Very important topic. Yeah. See, I mean, we're just getting in, into the whole debate mood, I feel like, because that's the whole thing, uh-huh. right? Yeah. That is the point of apologetics is just to be really smart and, and to de- debate and well, I feel, like feel like you've won everybody over, right? Art, Art, the main reason to learn about apologetics is so that later you can make people look really dumb compared to you, right? And that why you it's do about it? being smarter than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's about being prideful, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to go on social media and be like, I just learned from art that you guys are all dumb, and here's the truth of the scripture compared to what you know, <laughs> which is nothing. Sounds like Jesus. <laughs> We're really sarcastic. Sorry. <laughs> we yeah, often make jokes about stuff. <laughs> anyway, good deal. All right, awesome. So, um, you guys ready to start? I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. And I feel like there's something that we talk about every week. Could it be music? Could it be media? Or maybe it's the mission of Jesus? Or all three. And much more. Yeah, lots of stuff. And we're also here to talk about another awesome subject with our good friend Art. Say hi, Art. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How's it going? Going pretty well. Going Welcome, good. Art. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to be Thanks talking to, talking about uh, uh, apologetics today, but before we get into apologetics, we're going to do some worship, like always. Uh, yeah, buddy. Zach, do you want to tell us anything about this song? How did you find out about yeah. this song? Um, I picked it because I had been looking at different songs that are um, not one-to-one a person singing directly to God, but like either God's voice talking to us or in the case of this song um it's kind of one person talking to another person because he's saying jesus is calling us he's calling you and he's calling me so it's like um in that way it's kind of an outreach song um so this is a message of kind of jesus love that one person is presenting to another so and in terms of like songs worship uh, hymns that we have picked this one's one of the more recent ones is it's it from 1880? Okay. It's yeah. almost considered modern by all <laughs> <It's> speculation. Not, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's after uh, John Wesley was around and everything. So it's probably not good compared to <laughs> what you would say, right? Nothing that came after <laughs> Charles Wesley can compare okay. to that C-dubs. All right. Well, I, I think we're ready oh to go <laughs> <laughs> on that note. That's good. Cool. All right. So this is Softly and Tenderly. Let's do it. Sweet. 
Praise the Lord. That's yeah, pretty awesome. Beautiful hymn. Man, I'm glad Good you did Good job, Colin. Oh, Dude. no, no, no. Colin learned this in uh, mm-hmm. less than 24 hours. So <laughs> It's funny because oh. remember last a week you you said there was that song that was like too tough to like figure out the melody line for. Maybe it was We were doing ago. And Can It Be and yeah. you were having trouble with the 1700s language. This, this melody line is much easier than yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah, it's all good. Nice. <laughs> all right. So um, we always have the guest uh, pray. Uh, is that, sure. would that be something you'd want to do? Of course. Yeah. Just before we go any further, if you want to, if you yeah. want to pray for us, that'd be great. Yeah, No problem. Um, father God, we, uh, we just come before you. Um, we thank you God for who you are. We thank you God for all the endless ways you love us, all the endless ways you care for, for us, Lord God. We, we thank you, Lord God, that even, um, in these, um, trying times, you need, these difficult times that we thank you that your gospel is still going forward. We thank you, Lord, that, that there's always provision in in avenues that your gospel will always um, spread around the globe. And so we just thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for what your gospel has done in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for the transformation that, uh, that is evident Lord God from the gospel in our lives. And we just, ask you, Lord God, to um, help us um, in this time, help us um, have this healthy discussion about apologetics and in and, and, and light of the trying times we're in, Lord God, where there, there are a lot of people who who are seeking or, or maybe more open, Lord God, to hearing what you have to say or hearing a Christian worldview perspective on things, Lord. So we just um, ask you, Lord God, to um, allow your truth to pervade um, every avenue of doubt, every crevice of doubt. And we just ask you, Lord God, to just water uh, water it and grow it. And uh, we just thank you for this time and, and bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, man. Yeah, buddy. So, Art, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I am, uh, well, I was on the Zoom call Bible study a week ago, and I was kind of asked the same question, and it was uh, with college students, and I tried to figure out a way to kind of like tell them my age without telling my age, and <laughs> I remember when, I remember when Twitter was started, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, rem- I, I remember I having Facebook and, 
and Twitter starting and uh, just just wondering why. Why would I choose to be on Twitter when I can have <laughs> unlimited amount of characters on my Facebook status? I asked the was, same question to myself. It was 140 characters at first. I think it's more now. I didn't understand it either, oh, Art. I'm right there with you. Man. I was like, <laughs> Facebook already has the status update and Twitter is basically just the status update and nothing else. <laughs> so, Art, are you here? But, um, to, yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? No, I was going to say, are you here to tell us about social media and stuff? <laughs> I'm just being silly. Go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, not really. But so, uh, yeah, it's just um, another thing is like I remember on my, my first cell phone being a Nokia. Remember oh, this yeah. Nokia yep. with yeah. those little snake games on it? Oh, yeah. yeah right there with you, buddy. That was 2001. Oh, wow. I had my first cell phone. But I'm I'm 38 years old. Uh, <laughs> for those playing the game, but um, there you go. I'm 38 years old. I'm originally from Lexington, uh, born and raised in Lexington. Uh, graduate of Eastern Kentucky in 2006, mm. and journal- with journalism degree. Um, while there, I met my wife, um, Nikki, and we together. We actually a month from today will be our 13th uh, wedding anniversary. All right, hey, we have two. Congrats! Thanks. Right, right. Yeah, time flies. Um, oh, yeah. We have two boys, Malachi, 10, and Micah, 5. And we are, we have them uh, teaching at home. We have our own little school, obviously, at home, trying to get them through this year, uh, end of this school year. Um, oh, oh, yeah. And how is but, how is uh, that affecting you guys? I mean, they pretty much canceled everything, right? So Yeah, you guys have had to do homeschool, kind of? Well, yeah, like every, yeah, yeah. So you have NTI work for uh, kids, um, and then Malachi has some work that he does on uh, Zoom. He has Zoom call and stuff. And nice. Recording his math homework and stuff like that. Awesome. It's going. It's going well. Um, but yeah, just about me, uh, in particular, about just my journey to faith in, in Christ. Um, so I. I I was probably six or seven years old, and my mom, uh, she led me to Christ in our in our kitchen in our duplex, and I just remember just um, as a kid, just uh, wanting to know God and wanting to pursue God in Christ, and I just remember that that time where she led me to Christ, and from then almost. Uh, it, I'm, I've grown, uh, obviously not perfect, not sinless, <laughs> but, uh, growing, growing in the, in the knowledge of Christ. And, uh, mm-hmm. and just, um, I think around probably 13 or 14 is really where I really started to, to take the Bible seriously in terms of studying it for myself and, uh, just digging deeper into, into the word and, and just, Worship too, like worship. I mean, I'm sure with with a, a lot of you all, worship has been in, instrumental in your growth and discipleship. Definitely. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So so same here. Just that personal relationship with Christ has has been uh, very formative for me, and uh, as my as I've grown, and uh, just even in ministry too. So I mean, I, I don't think I would be in ministry if. I didn't have that developed relationship uh, with Christ. And um, yeah. Just, yeah, so 
a little bit about myself. Awesome. awesome. So, so in, given the topic that we have here of uh, d- digging into apologetics, uh, where have your studies in apologetics come from? So my uh, my interest in apologetics really came out of uh, really, I guess. So I minored in philosophy at Eastern. Gotcha. And so um, come on with that and then just being part of student ministry as a student mm-hmm. and and doing evangelism mm-hmm. and having conversations with people. Um, you're naturally going to be challenged and uh, you're going to have and, and even attending lectures and stuff like that. So like just seeing what the world says about Christ, um, um, being in like humanities classes and or philosophy classes and uh, and hearing professors like challenge like the scripture and 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 uh, just okay like uh, just accept relativism and pluralism and and just uh, just kind of. It seems like when you hit the college and you're a Christian, that's really where you start to get challenged in, in ways yeah, you definitely. never were in high school. Yeah. Um, and you. so that that was kind of my journey there. Um, and, and, and also what I found enlightening was to, uh, to kind of meet, have professors and philosophers who actually were Christian. And that was kind of new to me, just understanding like, um, there's a professor, Mike Austin, um, who's a Christian philosopher at EKU. And just I remember having his class and the the very last thing he showed us was this DVD called Icons of Evolution. And it just kind of challenged some of the things that um, that we readily accept in academia. And just it really opened my eyes to the fact that my faith is not just um, and it's not just my personal faith it's it's something that's grounded in things we can actually talk about with other people because i think a lot of times it's easy to say well as a christian um i have my faith in christ i I know jesus and then someone else said well i I have my faith in so and so and so and so i so it's like it's like kind of an impasse kind of situation where Mm -hmm. A lot of I think a lot of Christians can be at um, in at the at an early uh, stage yeah. of their I guess discipleship of their mind and stuff. But um, so that was a really eye opening experience for me, and just and really motivated me to dig into like thinking about Christianity and thinking about why why I believe what I believe, um, why we believe what we believe, why why. The Bible instead of the Quran. Why? Why the Bible instead of Book of Mormon, et cetera, et cetera. And so, just thinking that way, just it really um, strengthened my faith. That I, the faith that I already had as as I really saw that wow, like we have a lot to stand on. We have uh, a lot more than people think. Even Christians think know about. And when you look at history and or archaeology and, and just a lot of stuff, um, logic, even logic. I mean, reasoning. Um, it's like how do you ground belief in in existence and and into uh, our existence? How, how do you ground our existence apart from apart from uh, how does something come from nothing or 
how to, yeah. how how can something come out of nothing without it being uh, miraculous? And so when I started to think about stuff like that, and and then I uh, got into campus ministry and became a staff member and, and rub elbows with a lot of folks and uh, really started delving deeper into apologetics and how it can actually serve evangelism and and vice versa and and. And uh, it really helped me to be able to kind of prepare a lot of students for a lot of objections they face. Um, I remember just even friends, like just casual friends. I remember um, playing chess with with an agnostic buddy I had, and mm-hmm. we would we would have long conversations. Like he would he would ask me something, and I would think about it. We would respond, and and so I think a lot of times it's. Uh, it's easy to stick to people who are like-minded um, simply because we yeah. feel like we're not equipped. Um, so I, I, so uh, I did Absolutely. study a year of apologetics um, at Biola University. Um, so nice. that was while was I was that, in, on staff at university. Okay. So. I was wondering about that. Um, Cause when I met you art, it was when you were on staff at university. Okay. And so okay. I was, um, I got tapped to play electric guitar for a conference. And I think okay. maybe I'd met you like recently, like right before that, but this is like my first time really remembering getting to know you when you go yeah. to InterVarsity conference, they put you in these little, um, in these little groups and you do inductive Bible study together where you just kind of like look at scripture and they put you with people you don't necessarily know super well beforehand. And so art was in my group. So we would like, read the Bible and then go ride go-karts and stuff. It was super fun. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah. Art, I could, I could tell even back then, you know, that you definitely had a gift for um, like not just studying the word, but like learning how to like relate it to other people. Like that's been a ministry that like I could tell you were passionate about. So as, as we've already discussed a little bit today, we're going to be talking about our, our job um, as Christians to be prepared with an answer for, uh, for the hope that we have um, as first Peter three fifteen kind of puts it, we call this right. apologetics. Um, right. And so um, despite popular belief, this isn't really as much about arguing or proving that we are smarter than anyone else. Um, despite what our intro might've said, I disagree, Bob, <laughs> you're wrong. Okay. But, about that one upmanship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, but it is simply about sharing that what we know about God. Um, yeah. And so, um, in the face of a lot of discouragement from others, we, uh, contend for the faith, um, as Jude puts it, um, our guest, um, art is very passionate about it, which is why we've had him on here today. And so, um, you want to just jump into some questions, Bob? Let's talk about apologetics. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Super cool. Yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned that you're a part of, um, um, uh, uh, you, you talked already about, about your history, about your passion and even the ministries that you're involved with. Um, so help us define really, um, for the, for the, for our listeners who might be not be familiar with this term, really, what is apologetics? I mean, we, we dig down to what is apologetics? Yeah. Yeah. So like, a lot of times when you first ask somebody, um, have you heard about apologetics or the, obviously the knee jerk response is, well, what are you apologizing for? Like, <laughs> why are you saying sorry? That kind of thing. But mm-hmm. when we look in scripture, um, the word apologetics comes from the Greek word apolog- apologia, 
And that word actually, um, if you think about, okay, Plato's Apology, right? Mm. There's, there's a classical word called Plato's Apology. In that work, Plato is actually defending himself, right? So that, that word um, apologia is, is it, it actually means, um, apo means away and logia means speak, speak away. So, so um, it does um, indirectly uh, apply to defending, okay, defending your faith or de- defending a specific worldview. So basically apologetics is the attempt to defend a particular belief, belief system uh, or beliefs systems against arguments or objections. So nice. oftentimes we, we might say that's defensive or negative apologetics mm-hmm. or responsive apologetics. Um, there's also uh, constructive or offensive or positive apologetics um, hmm. that, that can kind of lead into like polemics actually, where you're actually not just only talking about your faith, but you're actually um, investigating other faiths as well. So, so in a nutshell, that's what it's about. And, and you already said the scripture about being ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so we're called to, as Christians, we're called to be ready to defend. Um, the, the, the word says to, to love the larger God with, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of times as Christians, it's, it's very easy to love God with our bodies or not, or I should say express God in worship. Right. Uh, express God with with singing and joyful, and um, it's it's on our minds. Even when we think about discipleship and uh, yeah. sanctification, and and how we uh, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, right? Um, pleasing and acceptable to Christ. So those sorts of things are always present on our minds and our hearts because it's always preached on. It's always something fresh um, that we deal with. Um, but we don't always think about, or we might segment or uh, what it means to love God with our minds, right? We might yeah. say love, love the, to love God with our minds is, okay, you, you're a scientist or you're a computer s- software programmer. And yeah. it's, it's right. It's true. Right? And, and whatever you do, do is unto the Lord, right? So we might look at that and rightly so, uh, my job is, a, is an avenue to express the gifts and talents inside of me. But another aspect of loving God with our minds is, is actually doing what it said, being ready to defend the faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's so interesting because, you know, I, I think of knowing God um, and, and loving God with my mind. Um, I think it's easy to just think of that as, okay, well, do I believe the right thing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I believe, I believe the right thing. I subscribe to mm-hmm. all of it check that box off. All right, cool. Got the mind covered when actually mm-hmm. God, you know, gave us the gift of, um, being able to reason, you know? Yeah. And so like <laughs> we can worship him with even the ability to reason by, you know, thinking through scripture and like what it all means and why we believe what we believe. Mm-hmm. I, have right. a, I have a question for art. This one's, this one's just kind of out of left field, but it has to do with what we were just discussing. Do you believe that um, everybody um, like because, you know, sometimes uh, Christians will say the way they interpret the gifts that the Bible kind mm. of like lists 
Like the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Well, not only those, but like the, I guess they call them gifts of office too in a different scripture, mm. but, but essentially like uh, certain Christians are geared towards certain gifts. So that's, well, some people believe that. Okay. Um, so my question to you, Art, is do you believe that uh, all Christians uh, can uh, kind of like uh, be prepared and, and be very well uh, uh, prepared for an apologetic style discussion? Or do you think that certain people are just like gifted with that? I think um, everyone can be prepared um, yeah. as long as you can study and and uh, recall something. I mean, sure. Well, um, you, you think about get... it this way. Yeah. Um, what it, what does it take to parent my boys? Like as a Christian father, as a Christian, um, how do I prepare them for high school, for college, for life in general? Um, I might not be good at math, but um, I can find some apps. I can find some resources. I can find some videos, something to train them to yeah. do yeah. things that I never, I mean, I only went up to math 105 in, in college. So like, I'm <laughs> it's not, all I don't you really do, like man. math, yeah. but I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know what to do to, to, to help, right? And so I think Absolutely. in the same sense, in this age of like we're using technology right now, um, in this age of technology, um, in this age of yeah. uh, social media and 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 uh, YouTube channels, I mean, it's all it's it's so easy. Like I, I was just thinking about just how easy it is for the Bible um, to be. Like just thinking about it, the word is on the internet. If all the Bibles were taken out, like it's all it's on the internet forever, right? That is pretty reassuring. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, unless they change it yeah. up a bunch over time and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, start moving yeah, the scriptures it, around or something. You, can, you can delete yeah. the internet <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. It, but uh, the point I'm making is um, about like parenting um, yeah. Yeah. as a parent I'm my, my kids are going to ask questions yeah <laughs> right so, that's true <laughs> so even if I don't feel called or gifted um, to in in uh, evangelism or apologetics or somebody might be more gifted than I am naturally. Um, I don't even know how you determine that actually. Me so either. I, that's determine. why I was asking. <laughs> um, but I might feel that way. Even yeah. if I feel that way, mm-hmm. the call is to respond and and ask God to help you respond in any yeah. situation. Yeah. Absolutely. And part of that is being equipped. Part of it is studying and anticipating um topics questions objections yeah. so like when so when you're when my son asks well who made god i mean that's your pretty <laughs> yeah. basic that's a apology. softball questions these days <laughs> that, one's, that one's easy to answer now maybe not so i love that that's that's a ago. bit that's not the first time i've heard of a kid asking that question or like what is god yeah like it's Pretty interesting, and it makes you think. Like, well, do I really understand? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, if if someone is confronted with that question by their child, and they've never thought about that question, that that says two things to me. I mean, it says, well, I'm I'm not thinking about my faith on that level. Um, but it also says another thing is that I have an opportunity. Um, I have an opportunity to dig deeper. I have an opportunity to 
research for myself. Um, years ago, I would I would always um, I would get into a lot of debates on Facebook and stuff like that um, with friends and stuff who believe differently. Um, a lot of times, we feel like we have to instantly um, respond. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't have to. You don't have to instantly respond. If if you are caught in a situation where you don't know what to say, guess what? Say, let me get back with you. <laughs> That's interesting, <laughs> huh? Good point. I haven't thought about it that way. Let me <laughs> let me check. Yeah. Let me check on that and get back with you. So, so, so you're saying it's okay to not know everything all at once? What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I think, especially you and me, we've talked about this a lot, me and Colin have. It's, it's so, it's such a mark of humility, I guess, to mm-hmm. be able to say, I don't know in certain situations, to be able to say, like, I need to actually find out more Right. about this like so right. many times we see people who can't who will just give you an answer <laughs> and that's I, not always good in the yeah. in the past uh i've had people ask me stuff i didn't know but most of the time after sitting for a second i will at least give them a truth of the scriptures that i do know that may be like a start like uh yeah. i think i've told you all i had a conversation with a guy who said do you think i'm going to hell and I, you know, my first knee jerk response was going to be to just give him the whole like spiel about heaven and hell. But instead I said, let me buy you a Bible and just tell you this for now. God doesn't want you to go to hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I said, and I would hope that you could take this Bible and read through it a little bit more and see if you can determine, yeah. see, see what I was doing. I was tricking him because by <laughs> reading the Bible, he is essentially maybe starting the process of saving himself from going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Well, it's those seeds, right? <laughs> so, well, now Art, I know a lot of people, I mean, cause you've kind of sh- talked a little bit about how this is, how it's different from arguing. Um, this, this idea, this is not really as much about debating or fighting or arguing as, as, as much as having a conversation. It seems like what mm-hmm. you're saying, but a lot of people do view it as arguing for Jesus in a very negative kind of way. Um, and what are your thoughts about that? How, and how do we overcome that mentality? Well, I, I think first we got to kind of define what we need mean by arguing. Okay. Um, there's kind of two different ways to mm-hmm. look at the word arguing or argue. Mm-hmm. So in the classical sense, um, we are arguing. There is argumentation going on. When you line, I mean, in scripture, when 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 uh, Paul and they reason from the scriptures, right? It says they reason from the scriptures. So yeah. there's there's a line of reasoning going on there that lines up uh, or syllogism that that ends with the conclusion. Usually, okay, Jesus is Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Or Jesus died and was r- risen from the dead. So in that sense, and and I would say on the upper levels of apologetics and when you think about debates right there is a level where you have um william lane craig and christopher hitchens debating does god exist that i mean that's a pretty pretty uh, popular debate yeah. that they had there so like when you have people on that level debating topics um they they all know this is the a debate this is what we're doing here 
Um, but on a, I guess, a relational level, everyone doesn't want a back and forth, like questioning your beliefs, you question mine. That mm -hmm. When you are casually out and about talking to people or evangelizing, that's not what um, mm. people really are signing up for once they say hello. Yeah. Um, however, not everybody is think, roving down the street, just, uh, you know, just hoping to get into an argument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So because, because people tend to take it the wrong way, even if yeah. you do it out of love, if, if you're not ready to, um, if a person is like just caught off guard, I guess the point I'm making is there, it can come off like you're being argumentative. Like you're, right, right. you're, it's, it's just another source of me, uh, another weapon I'm using to put you down. Mm -hmm. And so sure. instead of instead of how do we both dialogue about the subject, um, I remember um, just, um, and, and the, the point is it goes both ways. Um, we yeah. get challenged, they get challenged. If it's done in a respect, it's the, the scripture says to speak the truth in love, right? Um, right, yeah. with, right. Um, so... Right. So how are we speaking the truth in love? Um, and so um, as when you, when you go down that rabbit hole of apologetics and and debate and, and just argumentation and examining worldviews, that's that's really what it's about. At its core, apologetics is about examining my worldview, examining your worldview, examining the worldview that I believe is acceptable, accepted universally. Um, and even examining uh, absolute truth in, in itself. So, so when we look at it that way, it's not a personal thing. Gotcha. It's not a. Yeah. It's not a. I'm attacking you personally. It's hey, I'm I'm curious to see what you think about this. Um, when I when I dialogue with a Muslim guy about the resurrection online, and and I was probing with questions um and so like um greg Kokel, he has a book called tactics and um it's really great because he he he's all about like asking questions right um jesus asked questions paul asked questions and so if we're trying to have deep meaningful discussions with people we can't um come off like a know-it-all yeah. <laughs> Even if we know it, know some of him. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, so it, it's about establishing respect. Um, and so by asking people questions, uh, we are uh, creating an environment where there's peace, there's respect, there's um, honesty. And mm -hmm. so it, it disarm, it's, it's, it's totally different from me just taking my Bible out and thumping somebody. Right. <laughs> right. Bible thumping. That's right. <laughs> so I, I think if people really understood um, just the approach of apologetics and how useful it can be, mm -hmm. um, it, it will start to help them see, okay, um, how to use it, um, how mm -hmm. to study it and learn. And, yeah. and really, as you go, as you learn and what people's perspective on, what others' perspectives are, you kind of learn more surely what your own perspective is about yeah. certain things. Yeah. 
I have, I've, so, I've often heard it said that it's uh, that if you want to learn something very well uh, uh, to its highest level, to teach it to somebody else. Hmm. And so I, I can often see how if you're having this conversation, if you're working with others and trying to talk to them about the, about scripture, that you're going to even learn it more deeply yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot right. of sense to me. Yeah. I had a question because okay. um, yeah. you mentioned a couple times social media or like talking online. You mentioned you would talk to a guy who was Muslim online, mm-hmm. which I love that. Um, what are some of the ways that we can carry on um, – the conversation and have respect and make sure that they know that when we're talking to somebody Mm -hmm. online, I've seen so many online uh, discussions turn ugly um, partly because like just the nature of online, like you're not, it's an echo chamber. Yeah. And so it's so rare for people to like convince each other of something online. And at the same time you like, you like misread. I would argue that it is. Yeah, it is mathematically improbable to convince somebody yeah. to change their mind on the internet. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that art about conducting apologetics online? Oh yeah. I, I think um, it is hard because it is kind of like, kind of like text messages, right? Mm-hmm. When someone is hits all caps by accident or something <laughs> and they send press in, like you're automatically going to think they're yelling at you or they're screaming at you. Um, when they maybe just hit hit the wrong button. So I think it's kind of the same or similar. Sometimes we can come off the wrong way um, online, but in other aspects, um, I think there's also a pro and a con to that. The, the other side is you have more time to think about what you write um, yeah. um, versus in the moment you might, feel more agitated or what it ruffled or, and respond um, rashly. But, but I, I think the, the bottom line is, can, can the person read what you're saying and know that you're not personally attacking them mm. or, or when they read it, are they feeling like um, I've been in situations where I've been basically belittled um, for what I believe, but I've never belittled or came off as belittling to the other person. Mm. And so one, one thing I really loved about um, online exchanges is you have no idea who else will read it. Mm. So it's not just about that person. Yeah. Um, it's about whoever has a chance to come across that. Um, and so a lot of times we, uh, we misunderstand what our goal is in the first place. Um, our goal is to sow seed. Um, it's it's God that gives the increase. So, if we ha- have an understanding that um, if someone comes to Christ, comes to faith, it's not because we argue them anyway. Mm. Um, it's because God used us to sow one seed, or um, and so or bring them one step closer. Like if we, you can remove one little objection that people have or address one objection that no one has ever touched on, then that, I mean, who knows how God can use that or soften their heart or make them think uh, yeah. and think differently. And so I think, uh, I think Greg Coco he, he says that his goal is to not just, okay, take them from A to Z, but 
um, God's called him to be a gardener. Um, some are gardeners, some are har harvesters. And so his goal is to put a pebble in somebody's shoe, is what he said. Mm. It's like my goal is to drop a pebble, something that that will, like, you'll think about it tonight or something. Yeah. Like, wow, like, what, something he said, like, that makes sense. And so a lot of times we, we feel like uh, we're going to be let down if we feel like every time, okay, we go out or we talk to somebody, if it doesn't end in someone repenting or confessing Christ, then it's same true with evangelism. I mean, it's, I mean, you, you, you take apologetics where you take evangelism. <laughs> like, it's not like, yeah, it's, it's like you're, you're ready to have a conversation. And I, I think part of what apologetics does is it, it, it puts the other person at ease to the point where like, you really are listening to what I have to say. Yeah. You actually are addressing what I have to say. Sometimes we feel like we have to have the answers, but if the minimum thing you can do is address what they have to say, then you've you've uh, presented the love of Christ. Gotcha. Um, Solid. Very cool. All right, Art. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot just because I wanna I wanna see how this process kind of how the process <laughs> happens. Okay. Is oh, that okay. Okay. Art, try is it that on right? Collins over here. Like, try it on me. Try it on me. Yeah, I want you to. I, I, I'm going to ask you. I'll, I'll ask you a question. Okay. Is that all right? Mm -hmm. All right. So let's say that I'm born in a country where Christianity does not exist or is, is very oppressed. And I am raised to be a different religion. What would you say to me about uh, becoming a Christian? How would you convince me? I guess well, not convinced, not convinced, but what are some of the topics you might discuss with somebody like that? Okay. So for instance, like, um, we do know that when we think about Christianity around the world, we think about, um, even let's say third world countries or where mm -hmm. there's unreached mm -hmm. people groups. We, we do think of, um, okay, what if, I mean, what do we, what does God do with those who haven't heard and stuff like that? Sure. Um, That's we a, have, we, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. we have clear, we have clear examples in scripture of, of God meeting people, um, and God using people, yeah. um, even before somebody showed up, um, there's a Roman centurion, right. Who, who was, yeah. who was seeking God. Um, and then God like sent somebody his way. Um, yeah. I think of examples of prophecy. I think of examples of visions. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of stories of of folks um, who who do come from predominantly Muslim backgrounds having visions of Jesus. I've heard those too, um, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So y'all heard stuff like that. So when we a lot of times we think of evangelism and what God has called us to do. Is is this all all on us? Um, God loves the world more than we do. So nice. when, <laughs> so why do you think? Why do we assume the Holy Spirit is not already doing yeah. stuff like that? See, I like that because see what you've essentially done is what uh, 
I don't want to throw out any names of just speakers, but like, I guess Ben Shapiro is the first one that comes to my mind a lot of times, or, or for example, when we ask the question, who made God, uh, the person who's asking the question has the wrong mindset. So like, just then when I asked you, what if I was raised and I didn't know who Jesus was, I'm assuming that there's a country out there where God couldn't reach them somehow. And, yeah, and yeah, you've yeah. just kind of flipped right. that on its head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same thing with the, so there, there are assumptions that people often make with their objections and their questions that, yeah, that if we are not rattled or anxious enough, we can mm-hmm. like see through it or identify what's going on there. So with the, the question of who made God, there's an assumption going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the assumption is, okay, that, okay, God had to be made because he exists. But that's an invalid, invalid argument. What's valid and sound is everything that's created exists. Hmm. Uh, we, we, we know through scripture that God is the self-existent one, Yahweh. So yeah. that by Christian worldview standards automatically shows that he was uncreated, uncaused. And yeah. by the biblical worldview, he is the creator of all things. So if if something created God, that would be God. I like it. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just uh <laughs> no. I was just wanted to see how the whole process yeah. worked. That was actually a yeah. question I read in that book, um, The Reason for God. I think it's by oh, Tim Keller. Oh, the Tim Keller book, yeah. So um oh, that's a good when one. I first read that yeah. chapter uh in the book, I was like, huh. That is a hard question to answer. Yeah. I'm not sure what yeah. I would say because I, even uh, being a de- developed into a Christian over uh, so many years of my youth, um, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of people present arguments like that. Yeah. And me being a new Christian, I didn't really know how to yeah. respond. Well, you know, different um, different branches of Christianity might answer the specifics of that question in different ways. Sure, but the what they would all probably have in common is that God can reach anywhere. Like art was saying, he loves the world more than us. He's more effective at reaching the world than us. And you know, art, you talked about scripture, um, with examples of this. And I, I was thinking of, um, the Ethiopian eunuch who talks to Philip, Mm, you know, that that one also came to my mind too. Yeah. God had laid the groundwork by showing him some scripture. Like he was reading a scroll. He was reading from Isaiah you know, and that so was, that was actually the study I led last week. Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so I've got this. I've got this That's scripture great... here. I don't understand it, and, and yeah. sure enough, God placed uh, God placed Philip in his life. Yeah. Says, here, let me show you. Right. Well, see, I like exactly. I like your um, the the approach to your answer when we were doing that just a minute ago. The scenario there because you you reevaluated my foundation for the question. And so Zach, Zach had this friend and I don't remember his name, but he, but uh, on Facebook, he was like, I just don't believe in some uh, Some, bearded white guy. There's no, there's no bearded white guy living in a cloud, like judging Judging people. And then he goes, uh, he said, I don't believe in a God who's sitting on a cloud with a beard, with a beard and a white robe. And Zach's response was good. Neither do I. (laughs) What scripture is that? (laughs) And so the basis, so he was coming in with a preconceived notion of like his, his question came with information that was false. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think that's, that's an interesting way to approach 
having yeah. a discussion at all. Like if you can both come to a, a, an understanding of a foundation first and then mm-hmm. ask right. questions, right. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Too. And, and that, that, um, that is a good point because that is a lot of the issues with a lot. When you think about it from a philosoph- philosophical standpoint, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that, that is, there's about, there's, it's like logical fallacies going on. You That's have, right. There, so there's logical fallacies that happen when people assert things or object to things, mm-hmm. um, that we don't even realize. So like when someone says, all comes to you, well, how do you know, like you got the real, all truth is relative. Like what, what, like. When someone says it's a big assumption. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, but that statement in itself is false because if we apply the, 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 what they're trying to claim to the statement itself, it, it defeats itself. It's self-defeating. So you don't, all all truth is relative. Is that an absolute statement? (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) So that truth is relative. Are you don't believe in my truth? The thing everybody says, <laughs> I'm just living my truth, my personal truth. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought truth was the truth. <laughs> where, where do we get this personal so, version so of what it? What does your truth say three plus three is? Yeah, okay. right. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you should uh, present that because uh, another professor, EKU, uh, Patrick Naramale, yeah. mm-hmm. he had a great class. I think it was just called the philosophy of religion, where we mm-hmm. talked about Pascal and all yeah. of the, uh, you know. Uh, I guess reasoning in this way. Right. And he wrote on the board the first day of class, one plus one equals 29. And then he said, explain to me why this is incorrect. It took us oh, like, yeah. took us like a week to understand what he was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, like it was always yeah. like a kid going like, uh, cause one is one. And yeah. another one is another one. And you put them together. That's two. And he goes, yes, if one is one and another yeah. one is one, you put them together. It equals 29. <laughs> Just threw it right back in her face over and over. And it's that, it's that yeah. thing of like, you, 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 it's it, truth. Isn't just truth because you say it is because the person says right. it's truth. That's, that's my biggest argument for the reason for God, like uh, in uh, the authority of the scripture is that you have to surrender the idea that your version of truth is more correct than uh, a higher powers version of yeah. truth. Like uh, I, I'm being very general. I I believe yeah. it's you know the 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 God of of the Scripture. But if you're starting that conversation with somebody, you got to say like, listen, your personal truth, right? <laughs> that is a, that is already wrong. <laughs> like that's not the way to go. <laughs> right. So and and when people talk that way, how do they have rounds to say anything is wrong? Sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, once you once you step into relativism and um. And I've seen videos where people have like stuck to their laurels about their beliefs and mm. have had to say, well, rape is, well, I rather not, I don't really prefer that. Or they, they can't like, if they're really committed to their worldview, there are things they can't say and logically be consistent about. Mm, yeah. Sure. No, that's true. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, Art, you mentioned previously that uh, with, with Colin's questions uh, a couple um, several minutes ago that you know that that this is something that we should all be working towards and prepared for. Um, do you think that it's that there's it's more? Uh, but I also notice that you tend to work more with uh, more of the young adult oh, yeah, type yeah. crowd. 
Um, is there? A, do you think that it's more important that more of the young adults address apologetics as opposed to an older crowd? Or I mean, is is it kind of equal? But this is more your focus. What what, what are kind of your thoughts on it? Um, I think that when you look at um, the future, or when you look at okay, uh, trends of okay, what happens when Christian youth leave their high schools and go on and uh there's alarming trends about mm. how how many what per, a lower percentage retain or hold on to their faith mm. right or identify as christians later on in life absolutely and i think largely that's because uh they have been unprepared uh youth group and and stuff can't just be about playing games uh, and having fun, it's fun. It's fun to have fun. But <laughs> if we're talking about preparing disciples to go into the world um, to seek and save yeah. loss and 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 have a, a develop a, a passion and the desire to develop the, the mind of Christ, um, then then we have to to send them out. So like I was mm-hmm. looking at some studies, um, like the Barna Group. Uh, they did some studies on teenagers and stuff. And uh, two years ago, it said 64% of Christians believe evangelizing is optional. Hmm. Um, and so that was two years ago. And then I think last year, there's another study um, that talked about um, for almost half of millennials uh, agree um, that it's wrong to share your faith with someone. The M word, millennials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it, it seemed like the older generation, when you talk about apologetics and, and sharing your faith, um, although they are also influenced by culture, I mm-hmm. think that because they have lived longer and seen, they, they probably know about C.S. Lewis or yeah. have studied things before, way back before we were born. Gotcha. But 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 I, I think that 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 young age is a, a key um, time where uh, they're shaping their worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, young the youth, the young adults are fi- trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to refigure out who they are. They're trying to redefine who they are. They're trying to seek for um, their identity, where where the identity lies. They're questioning stuff. So. Absolutely. Because they're in in a state of of trying to figure stuff out more than a sixty year old or seventy year old, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that they that crowd or demographic isn't trying to figure out things still. But sure, sure. But but it seems like they're at a fertile time yeah. in the course of their lifespan where yeah. where they are really um, open um, and seeking. Uh, truth, whatever truth means, and and how what is truth and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just think that millennial, uh, the the young adults, yeah. um, are it's, it's a key key group to focus. That's on interesting in because like they say that a lot of your personality, like who you eventually settle in and become for life, um, that kind of gets figured out before like your mid thirties, right? Like maybe early to mid thirties mm. by age 35, you're like somewhat 
kind of the personality that you're going to like. So, oh, you know what oh, I mean? I would, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't know. I would say it's younger, but maybe that's just my experience. It could be younger. Yeah. But I definitely think college is just like the transformation. Yeah. It's so crazy. College like, is like a, tr- a crossroads where you're like figuring out who you are. It, a lot of millennials mm-hmm. are actually kind of hitting the older side of that scale now. And so now sure. there's even, uh, is it Gen Z that we say? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I don't, I don't know one? any of those. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. That, that, I wonder that, if they'll get like a different name eventually, but yeah. they were saying Gen Z. <laughs> well, my, my to, a follow up to the line of questioning, yeah. the line of thought there was like, uh, for, for you artists, um, do you feel like because of the, um, because there is so much more easy access to information mm. about everything that it's harder to, to um, be effective uh, with um, evangelizing than it would have been, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago before That's the internet. Interesting question. Um, I think, I, I don't think it's more, I think it has more to do with our culture in general. Okay. Um, it seems like we are less communal. Mm-hmm. That um, is true. Than we, than we used to be. Um, yeah. So when you think about it in terms of, um, how private people like to keep their lives or um, and like, okay, some people don't even talk with well, I me. Mean, I talk on the phone with people. There, there's, it seems like there's a whole generation of kids who they just text. Yeah. They don't it, pick it, up the phone and call anybody. If you, uh, if you call anybody that's <laughs> under the age of, I don't know, 19 right now, they probably won't answer. Yeah. <laughs> they will probably just text you and say like, what do you want? <laughs> right. yeah. 19, nothing. My wife does that. <laughs> I, 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 to be polite, I will text somebody and say, Hey, can I call you? Because yeah. lately I feel like I'm intruding because nobody will answer if they, yeah, you, know, you gotta like plan to have that phone. I call. guess so. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. That's I still have people that will just now. answer. I mean, I have friends yeah. who will, you know, just answer, but well, my wife, where she's been, um, not like doing the usual things in the office lately, they were sent home from work. And so one of the tasks that they gave her was to call up all their patients and they mostly have elderly patients. It's like right. hearing aids and balance and stuff like that. And, um, so she's calling them on the phone and they're pretty much all like answering. <laughs> right. And there's been a few that she said have said like, um, I could just use somebody to talk to. Will you just talk to me for a oh. few minutes and she'll just talk to them. Yeah. Like, how's your day going? How's your grandkids? Well, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe yeah. that's the point of like what art was saying too. It's like yeah. the culture. Right. And then like, yeah, it you changes. Have, you have people yeah. who do, mm-hmm. who are disconnected in that way. Trying yeah. to reestablish communal. Yeah. I, I do tend to find that, that even when we do have community, that with the day and age of technology, well, 30 years ago, it was common practice to constantly be surrounded by people who may not always agree with you. Whereas yeah. today you get to, it's much easier to pick and choose who you want to associate with, who you want to be around. And yeah. so it's easier to create those echo chambers. Oh and, yeah. And yeah. so, which makes these, these type of conversations even more difficult. It's, um, because if yeah. you don't believe, well, then you're going to surround yourself with other people who don't believe. And then when someone comes in who is trying to, you know, just have a conversation about this type of mm-hmm. stuff, it's very easy for them to kind of gang up and shut things down very quickly. Right. Yeah, I agree. We definitely polarize society um, when it comes to views and, and what we believe. It's like, well, if 
you believe differently about this than I do, then mm-hmm. okay, then we can't hang out. We can't talk about other things we agree on or stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Zach, did you um you had some a question about contend or something down there? Oh yeah, let's talk about contend. Um, cause that's your ministry at lighthouse church. So I kind of want to know where the idea for contend <laughs> came from and like who you're trying to reach and what you're trying to teach people with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So contend was, um, it, it, it is, or I guess we kind of are pause right now, uh, as we kind of re, um, refocus our priorities um, okay. with how I'm serving in the church and stuff like that. But um, at Lighthouse Church, um, uh, earlier this year, um, we started um, a series uh, called Contend, and um, um, it's based off Scripture, right? Jude 3 talks about contend for the faith, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where that name came from. But in it, we we went over this book um, this called Tactics. Um, it's mm-hmm. by Greg Kokel. Um, and so um, I'm kind of mentioned him before but he <clears throat> he does he does really well at, at training um at training believers how to defend their faith um in a winsome manner in yeah. a way that's talking about respectful and non-confrontational mm-hmm. because when we think about evangelizing and apologetics we we think about a confrontation uh, and so like he he has um, several tactics that allow and teach um, teach people how to to be uh, conversational and relational. And as I mentioned, asking questions. Right, you ask questions to make points. Um, yeah. You ask questions to to establish what people believe, and so you can um, further the conversation, further the the, the dialogue. So. Um, so one one of the questions he, he mentions, one of the points is is talking about the Colombo tactic tactic. And all it is is basically asking questions. Even if you know what somebody believes or what somebody's perspective is, you ask that person questions to confirm. Don't assume anything. Just ask questions um, so that you can understand what their perspective is because some so often and he mentioned this that sometimes people feel like well i gotta go out and buy a book on this religion or something like he said no just just have a conversation with them because Mm -hmm. their version of buddhism or hinduism may not even be what you're trying to study anyway Mm -hmm. to prepare so just have a conversation with them so you can establish what they believe because the goal isn't to respond to something else besides what they believe. So, um, he, he talks about a lot about that and, and, um, and just as you kind of establish things, uh, about their belief system, the worldview, um, you can ask more questions, um, ask deeper questions that that make, uh, deeper questions, deeper points and, um, he mentioned uh, just several, a, a lot of examples. Um, uh, one example that I really liked that he shared was how there was a college student who was a Christian and 
she was in, in class and the professor, um, uh, she was going on a missions trip and she was so excited. She was uh, eager to share with everyone what she was doing, going on a missions trip. And um, so she shared with her professor and um, the professor told her, <clears throat> uh, well, that I'm, I'm glad, but it's wrong to push your views on someone else. That's wrong. And so she walked away kind of just like not knowing how to mm. respond. How do I, how do I respond to that when, when he has told me it's wrong to push my view? And so Greg, this, this girl called into his show and, and he, uh, he said, well, go back and, and tell her, well, if it's, if it's wrong to push your views on someone, why were you pushing your views on me? Mm. And so that, that goes into this whole thing about like question the question, learning how to question um, the foundation for what people say and, and, and think critically about the questions um, uh, and not just take them at face value and right. just feel like you yeah. got to answer or respond. But Interesting. Um, hey, so Art, we really yes. appreciate you, uh, talking with us today and uh, yeah. sharing all this stuff. We do have the final question that we ask every guest. Though. The question. Oh, final question. Do, uh-huh. Um, and if you haven't uh, heard a episode with any of our other guests before, you are s- surprised and hopefully you are. Uh, Cause that makes <laughs> the, those are, the responses under surprise tend to be the better ones anyway. So. But yeah, yeah. So, um, essentially, uh, we ask every guest what, would be something that they would, if they could change something that is currently going on with the community of God, like if they could change or add to, or take away something uh, with the church, like the, the church of the world, uh, what would it be? Like, um, we've had guests in the past, uh, say more exegesis or, uh, uh, you know, the different kinds of questions and things like that. So, um, what would be your answer to that question? You could change um, one thing about the church, positive, negative, add to, take away from what would you change? Uh, I would prioritize training Christians to share the gospel, um, make that more of a priority in mm. every church. Um, I think that um, as the stats show, um, p- people are starting to, to even question the validity of evangelism. And Interesting. Um, and so I think we need an apologetic for evangelism itself to kind of reel people back in and kind of enlighten people to the fact that this is what Christ wants us to do. Um, you, um, God, Christ has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That's right. And, and, it, and it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for um, the evangelist um, in that role, um, but wherever you are, um, share Christ, um, and how, and ask for ways, uh, to God, for God to open up doors for you to share Christ. Um, because if, if that's not our focus, then, then what else is, um, what is our focus? Um, if it's not sharing Christ and the love of Christ and the mind of Christ with others. Um, so yeah, so, thinking more critically about our faith and understanding we have a rich history of, of the faith. We have a rich history of, of, 
of, of, of a risen Savior that has lived the life we couldn't live and has uh, proven himself to be the Lamb of God who took, took away the sins of the world. Amen. Um, there's a lot of facts that people aren't aware of. Um, one of the easiest kind of objections to, to kind of address is when people say, well, Jesus never existed. Like When people kind of say that, we, we got to understand that there's a volitional thing going on there. Like, you don't even have to say that. You don't even have to say Jesus it never existed to renounce him. <laughs> right. I mean, that that's what that's how far people are willing to go to mm. kind of get as far away from from uh, the historicity of Christ and his resurrection. Yeah, it's like, is that we go so far to yeah. The tactic would be to not even have to deal with it. You know, it's, it's like the, the classic trilemma thing, which I think CS Lewis kind of like really highlighted, but you know, he's like, you know, he was either a liar straight up making things up or he was completely crazy, but you wouldn't want to just call if he was either of those two things, you couldn't call him like just a good moral teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So he's either the liar the lunatic or he actually is God. Um, yeah. But now I guess the tactic also with the historical criticism would be like, well, I don't want to fall into that trap. So let's just try and not have to deal with it. Yeah. That one was, <laughs> yeah. that, that argument has yeah. come up a lot more recently. And if, I yeah. feel like it's, it's very shocking to even hear someone make yeah. that claim. Sure. And then like still believe that Nero fiddled or that uh, it was like one if by land, two if by mm. sea. These are all like kind of like sort of uh, allegorical historical sure, facts yeah. that people consider are factual. And so it's like, you know, uh, you're very, you're very uh, ready to believe anything you read in a history book, but something that has been scrutinized and uh, interpreted over and over and over and discussed for thousands of years. And you're ready yeah. to just discontinue all of right, it. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's my biggest pet peeve with anybody who mentions that. <laughs> like the Bible is much more scrutinized. So the fact that it's exactly. survived this entire time must tell you something about the validity of it. But anyway. Uh, right. Yeah. It's great. All right. Thank you so much, awesome. Art. Thank you, man. Thanks for, for yeah, thanks for being on. This has been awesome. Yeah. We oh, appreciate cool. all your uh input, your insight on apologetics. We uh have uh, always try and get somebody we think is an authority on a particular subject. And uh, until hearing from you, I, I knew very little about apologetics. So now I've, I've, I've gotten a crash course uh, as you could say. So cool. I'm, I appreciate you yeah. being on brother. Cool. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yep. And thank you all thank for you. listening um, listeners and um, be sure to continue to check us out, like, and subscribe. Yep. wherever you're listening we are found on um itunes apple spotify mm-hmm. um and all those other little ones that have just a tiny piece of the market share but we're on like pretty much all of them there yep. you go so. yep <laughs> and and for new music tuesdays and other great content check us out on patreon.com and i will just throw a, a little plug in there about lighthouse church and then of course contend oh, yeah. and uh i'll just say if you ever want to check out their stream uh you, you might actually see art singing yeah. Alongside Zach sometimes. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's another shameless plug. That's uh, <laughs> Lighthouse Church, Kentucky on Facebook. So, there you go. Check us out. All right, guys. Cool. We'll see you next time. God bless. Peace.
Peace. Bless y'all.